0: Hello, this is Philippe Lavea, the KUSNAC practice. We are reinventing the experience of care. We're here this morning with Melissa Nobile. Hello. Melissa is uh, the psychologist, operations coordinator and project manager here at the KUSNAC practice. Uh, We will be discussing this morning the effects of gaming on mental health. Consoles with PlayStation 5 being launched and millions of people still under restrictions of movement. Gaming will be a big feature in many homes over the coming months, but there is conflicting research into this, the effect of gaming on mental health. Uh, Melissa, how common are cases of addiction to gaming, and have you seen a rise in the numbers recently?
1: Yes, and first I'll start by saying that there's the reason this conflicting research is also because it's relatively a new area of research in terms of researching the consequences that, the, that these games have on, um, on people's mental health. And that's because although video games have been around for quite some time, it's only been a decade or two since they've been using neuroscience um, and the developments in the understanding of the human brain to create games that really tap into all the pleasure centers and the reward systems of the brain to have consumers spend more and more time playing. Um, So that's just a short note I wanted to say. And it is common in general to play video games um, because you were asking about the cases of addiction. And only a small group of these people playing will develop some form of addictive pattern. I don't have exact numbers in mind, but I can tell you from a clinical perspective that in settings that treat addictive patterns in youth, it it's one of the top three pro- problematics that we see with cannabis dependency and alcohol dependency. And since April, yes, there's also been a, an increase in, uh, in these addictions being seen. First, probably because there's been, in general, an increase in people using uh, gaming in the pandemic uh, without necessarily being addicted. And simply because it was a fun way of entertainment when being isolated. It's a great strategy for coping with boredom or stress or loneliness. Games also a way to socialize and connect, maybe escape family conflicts at times. And then, again, only for a subset of people, it's going to turn into an addiction.
0: And the World Health Organization officially recognizes gaming disorder, quote, gaming disorder, describing it as a pattern of persistent or recurrent gaming behavior. What kind of symptoms can be seen in an individual who has become too dependent on gaming, in your opinion, Melissa?
1: Addictions are complex processes and you mentioned being a pattern of persistent or recurring behavior, right? And -hmm. it's a little more than that. It's usually the common um, way we describe it is it's engaging in a compulsive behavior despite its harmful consequences. And then these compulsions, they can reach the point where it takes over the life of someone physically and usually mentally as well. And in gaming, compared to other addictions, the physical component is less present. Although there's extremes and you know, people who go days and days without sleeping, but usually that physical component is not as visible as is in other forms of addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, so what you would see is it's, it's really, the gaming is really taking over the life of someone. They'll have obsessions about it neglecting certain aspects of their life to gaming and really this element of loss of control over the fact that they're neglecting the rest of their life usually so Mm. the problem is not really the gaming it's what they're neglecting for the gaming and I can tell you from clinical experience what I've seen it's the complaints that family usually raise are going to be Okay, my child or my teen, they no longer want to join us for dinner, and because they're playing, and when we raise it, it starts a huge conflict in the household. It's families where there's a lot of tension around you know the kid or the the teen wanting to play uh, these games and not being able to stop children. I you know that when the parents try to remove the device, the child can sometimes get so frustrated that there'll be a little bit of violence. Mm -hmm. um i've seen just recently a teenager that was uh classes with the pandemic and now online and this teenager couldn't attend the online classes because he was so tempted to be gaming at the same time as the classes were going on now that the format is online so he was just really dropping out of school it's going to be just all these signs that show that it's no longer a child or teen warning or asking to play, but it's a child or teen needing to play. And that's where all the difference is going to be.
0: I see. yeah. And then publication lines is also reported an increase in online gaming and gambling during the global pandemic. How can families and individuals help uh, regulate gaming time if there is a concern that it is having a detrimental effect on somebody?
1: That's a difficult question, Philippe, but mostly because I don't want to oversimplify an answer just in the spam of a podcast, because the problem with doing that is that it doesn't always give um, sufficient respect for how difficult it is to deal with this situation. But I can give you the few tips um, to try maybe as a first step, especially if you're struggling with a child that's uh, young enough that you can do this. It would be to set boundaries with the child. So maybe work as a family and do really a planning. Okay, On Monday, you can play one hour from this time to this time, Wednesday, Friday, and then Sunday, maybe two hours, etc. And to be really specific, that's usually something uh, we do in sessions um, at the very beginning when working with children who are becoming dependent to gaming. Uh, It can be installing options on the computer, these timers, systems where the computer after one hour just closes down so the game has to stop and expliciting that to the child. and that will help also with the frustration of the child because they know in advance when it ends and the parents don't have to be in the room and they don't have to be the person removing the computer. If it's during you know studies and it can be to block the option to game because you can choose what program you're going to be using um on the computer so those would be the first line interventions and the very first steps and then if that doesn't work definitely recommend going to to seek professional help uh, so that we can create a more individualized plan that
0: works for your family and then but a recent uh, survey from oxford university suggests that playing video games can be good for mental health this is uh very going against all odds. But the survey, which is focused on players of Nintendo's Springtime, Craze, Animal Crossing, as well as the EA's shooting game Plants Against the Zombies, the Battle for Neighborville. And it found that people who played more games tended to report greater well-being and casting doubts on, on reports that video gaming can harm mental health. It stated, uh, "quote, contrary to many fears that excessive game time will lead to addiction and poor mental health, uh, we find a small positive relation between gameplay and well-being." End quote. How much should we read into this survey, and why is it so at odds with the WHO position, in your in your opinion?
1: This, it really makes me think, and I just remember this of an author I once read. I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was trying to conclude about whether or not gaming is good or bad for someone is similar to concluding having asking someone to conclude whether or not uh, someone's nutrition is good or bad by just judging how much time someone is spending at the table. It was something in those lines. And For me, that's the best answer, because it just says, basically, it really does depend for lots of people. It's a fun educational activity, a social activity that helps connect with friends, with family, um, and just, you know, just a different form of entertainment and not a problem at all. And there has been signs that it can help regulate emotions. In these games, you're doing a lot of multitasking. So it's, I really don't wanna be demonizing these games. They have loads of great things about them, and just like for a lot of different other things, the reality is just complex because for a small group of people for a variety of reasons, they lose control over over the behavior around gaming. Quite similarly to substance misuse, where lots of people they can just enjoy a glass of wine in the evening, and for a minority of people, for some reason. Uh, it's more difficult to do that and it's really the same with gaming so it's all about the that feeling of loss of control at the end of the day and how much it's impacting the day-to-day life but it's not a problem if it's all in moderation and part of a a, just a happy fun life
0: it's difficult to determine whether the disorder uh, is its own clinically clinically clinical entity or a manifestation of other underlying psychiatric disorders is it usually associated with other mental health issues and if so which ones in your opinion
1: regarding the first part of the question what we call date gaming disorder it's the manifestation of a combination of biological psychological and social factors that lead someone to at one point in their life have This difficult relationship with gaming. And we're all somewhere on a continuum. I know in a previous podcast, I had talked about this for eating disorder as well. We all have a certain relationship to food or here to gaming. And then for some people, it just, somewhere on the continuum where it reaches a certain threshold, uh, where it creates sufficient problems that we're going to say, okay, this is more of a disordered pattern. Um, So there's not a region of the brain in terms of a clinical entity that's responsible for gaming addiction that some people would have and some people wouldn't. Um, It's not a qualitative difference. It's more of a quantitative difference on this continuum um, with how well people are handling the the time gaming. I said earlier, it's going to be social factors that are going to contribute to more problems, biological, psychological. So the Social factors would be, for example, someone who's having a difficult time, maybe at school, being bullied or someone feeling isolated, lonely, difficulties in the families. All of those factors will be contributing to whether or not it could become a difficulty gaming The psychological factors are going to be maybe someone with more, let's say, a more impulsive temperament or lower self-control. The biological factors are going to be maybe someone with a brain that's more sensitive to rewards than someone else, bearing in mind that these games are really designed to tap into all these parts of the brain that will give pleasure. And we have different brains. Some are more sensitive to that than others. So when we put all of these factors together, it's going to just... For some people, all blended together, heighten the probability of developing an addiction to gaming. And it's usually associated with anxiety. That's what I've seen quite frequently. Or sleep difficulties and sometimes a a depressive mood, simply because this feeling of having lost control uh, over gaming and, as I mentioned earlier, all this neglect of the other parts of the life is going to have consequences on someone's mental health and create tension again in the family, etc. And it will be this vicious cycle that people get stuck in in where then this increases the gaming, etc. And it's just this cycle that goes on and on and on. Hence, if you're listening, it's good to know that there's help out there and a way to get out
0: of it. Going further into this, which age group and demographics seem to be the most affected and what kind of treatment do you recommend then on those who are suffering from gaming disorder?
1: Anybody can suffer from gaming disorder. That's the first thing to say. And there does seem to be a tendency for it to, be, to affect more younger adults and usually men. When I say younger adults, I mean late teenager until 25, 15 to 25, I'd say, is the group that we see the most in clinics. But again, I, I've seen children age 7, 8, 9 um, struggling with gaming and I've seen, you know, women age 60, 70. So it's not limited to, to, to anybody at all. And in terms of, uh, and I think you asked the geographical area, it's really seen um, in many countries. I mean, it's not limited to a certain part of the world. I know that quite recently in in South Korea, they named it a public crisis. So it's really everywhere. And the treatment, I'd say, um, well, it's mostly psychotherapy that's going to be the first line treatment and intervention to help with gaming disorder. And more than the approach that the provider is using, I'd say, make sure and I'd really encourage you to find someone um, who has experience in treating this because um, this is how we started the podcast. It's quite a recent area of research and a recent, it's been a decade or two since we've seen more and more of this in clinics. So not all professionals have the training to treat this. So Ask around, see if the provider has experience um, in this before committing to a session. I think that, that would be my, my best tip to give to families or individuals who are listening.
0: We have been with Melissa today. Thank you very much, Melissa, for being on this Q&A today. We are going to be back online fairly soon to discuss more topics. Again, thank you, Melissa.
1: Thank you for having me.